everyone. Um, I'm a little bit uncomfortable being up here this morning. For people who are new here or don't know me very well, I'm usually in the back. <laughs> I usually work with the children here at Grassroots. And um, again, my name is Amy. And um, I am used to sharing God's word with rather tiny people and then passing out goldfish crackers afterwards. So please bear with me. <laughs> um, maybe that's why I was drawn to this particular story today to explore with you. I was given a selection of a few and this one just jumped right out at me. Um, we've all heard this story before, and it doesn't matter how long ago Children's Church was for you. We all know about how the people came to hear Jesus, the day passes, everyone's hungry, Jesus turns a few fish and some bread into food, and they have a feast. Hooray! So it's a familiar story, it's comfortable, it can be very simple, but there actually is more to it. So we're going to explore that in our homily today. Um, so let's first start off with a little bit of history here. Um, after he was baptized by his cousin, John, the real work of Jesus' ministry begins. So he heals people of their physical problems. He restores broken minds and hearts. And he welcomes outsiders into his inner circle. These were really difficult times for a lot of people uh, because the Roman oppressors had taken over the land and they were making life really hard. So people were drawn to Jesus because of his kindness and because of the possibility that he just might be the savior that they had been promised so long ago and had been waiting for. So Jesus had several dedicated followers, his disciples at this point. And uh, for a lot of the people though that encountered Jesus every day, it was a pretty one-sided situation. They came, Jesus healed and spoke, they left. And um, not for everyone, obviously, but for a lot of people, it was a pretty quick system. So we know that on this particular day, about 5,000 people had gathered. And things have been heating up for Jesus quite a bit recently. Um, as the political leaders were starting to catch wind of what he was doing, and they were starting to get pretty upset with uh, his ways, what he was doing, what he was teaching, how he was teaching it. Um, Jesus had also just received the heartbreaking news that his dear cousin John had been executed. Um, I personally have lost several people in my life that are very close to my heart, and it's crushing when it's fresh. And it does ease into an ache over time, but when it is that fresh, the last thing I want to do is to serve others. Uh, but that is exactly what Jesus did. The crowds assembled unexpectedly to hear from him, and he didn't turn them away. Jesus did what he always did, which was he healed, he taught, he comforted, and he gave of himself over and over again freely. So the day passes, the people grow hungry. You have to remember that these were not Jesus's ride or die fans, okay? These were people who were pretty random. They had come to hear him speak that day out of curiosity, or out of just wanting to hear him speak, uh, to hear his message of kindness, maybe to be healed, maybe to see a miracle. So they hadn't really been prepared for this gathering, like I said, and they certainly hadn't been prepared for it to last this long all day, and they didn't have enough food. So now they're hungry, and they can't, there's nowhere to stay nearby. They're in a remote place, so they need to get home. So Jesus tells the disciples to find some food for everyone, and they immediately start to ask some very practical questions. Where will we find enough food in this remote area to feed all of these people? And even if we do, it's going to cost half a year's wages to buy even some for some people. How is this going to work? So the implication here is that it's not going to work. There's not going to be enough. 
The implication here is that some of these hungry people will be excluded. They have to be. There's not enough food. If they're going to rely on the physical tools that they have at hand to care for everyone there that day, there can't possibly be enough. Some of these people will go hungry. So finally, a small offering of fish and bread is provided by a little boy. Jesus takes it, he prays over it, and turns it into enough food for everyone to eat their fill with leftovers afterwards. So in doing this, Jesus is proving that while we face our limitations as human beings, he is not bound by these same restrictions. With Jesus, no one is excluded. With Jesus, there will always be enough. This message proves to be just a little too subtle for the crowd, and they're looking for this warrior king who has maybe some magic powers from God or some super strengths as a leader, and uh, he can save them from their enemies and their oppressors. They're not looking for this loving servant that stands before them. So Jesus slips away with some of his disciples, and he heads off into a quieter area, hoping for a bit of a breather. Some of the people in the crowd follow him. They're looking for answers. They find him in the synagogue the next day. And now Jesus is ready to be a little bit more straightforward with these people who had pursued him. And he knows they're not ready to hear the message, but he goes ahead anyway and says, he challenges their reasons for seeking him out. And he says, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God, the Father, has placed his seal of approval. So what follows here is a conversation between Jesus and some increasingly irritated people. Uh, They had followed him looking for these miracles and uh, some signs of strength, but instead he's asking them to be vulnerable and reach deeper inside themselves instead. Jesus begins to speak to them about heaven, uh, about bread from heaven that gives life to the world. He tells them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. He is making the subtle lesson from the day before a lot more clear here. He is saying, with me, no one is left out. No one is excluded. There's enough of my father God to go around. Everyone can belong. Be less concerned about what your belly is telling you and more concerned about what God is telling you. So this is too much for them to come in, to to take in. Um, Remember, they had come looking for these quick, simple answers. So here they are being asked instead to accept a man that they had known since he was a child as the son of God. So they left. Jesus had had this large group of people who were ready to put a crown on his head and give him a throne like then and there. And all he had to do was act the way that they wanted him to act and to be the kind of king that they wanted him to be. And he wasn't, that wasn't part of God's plan. He wasn't in for that. So they left. Jesus is left with his original 12 disciples and no new followers. So where do you see yourself in this story? And if it helps... I see four different types of people here, not including Jesus. We have the people that listened that day, that came to hear Jesus speak. They weren't there because they necessarily believed that this was their Messiah or necessarily thought that he was the Son of God, but they came because they wanted to hear his message during difficult times. They're curious. So having their curiosities met and their bellies filled, they were happy to go home. 
So second type of person. We have the people who pursued Jesus the next day, who followed him to the synagogue and asked him deeper questions. They wanted to hear more about who Jesus was and what his strengths are as a leader. Uh, however, in the end, they didn't like what they heard. That disbelief hardened their hearts and they couldn't hear what Jesus was trying to tell them. So then we also have the disciples. They're ready to listen to Jesus's instructions. They're ready to jump into action and they're ready to get the job done. They did have questions and they did mess up sometimes, but their hearts were mostly open. They were searching. They did their best in their own limited ways to help Jesus spread the love of God, even though they sometimes did get it wrong. So the other person that I see in this story is a person that often doesn't really get talked about when we explore this, this passage. Um, they are integral to the miracle though. Uh, we're talking about the little unnamed child, the little boy who provided the food. So we don't know why he had food when it seems like nobody else did, but I am a parent, I have two children, so I like to think that maybe he had just gotten caught up in what he had heard that day and had forgotten to eat the lunch that had been packed for him. As I've sent my kids to school with a very well-packed lunch and had it come back at the end of the day because they got so busy talking with their friends during lunch that they just ran out of time to eat. So I don't know, I like to think that that's what happened, but regardless, now it's time for dinner and he's hungry too, I'm sure. He's ready to eat what has been provided for him, but instead he sees the hunger of the people around him and he decides to sacrifice his food for the good of others. Now, he sees the size of the crowd. Like it says, he's a, he's a child, but he's, I'm sure he's smart enough to know that the small amount of food he's offering is not gonna be enough to feed even one of these adult people. Maybe like not even my teenage son who seems to eat us out of house and home sometimes. But so it's, this is enough for a child, a small person, um, but he, it, that doesn't matter because he feels compelled to share it, and so he does. So, who are we in this story? I personally like to think that I am all of them, all four of the different people at different times. I see myself in the faces of the hungry crowd and in the cynical questioners and the dedicated disciples and in that compassionate child. I would like to say that my faith is always strong that my heart is always open, and my desire to spread the love of Jesus is always bottomless, but it's not. Um, these last few years have been really hard. Um, under the umbrella of the pandemic, I have seen people that I love die. I've seen family members that I love buckle and then crack under the weight of mental health issues and addiction. I have people that I really care about who are struggling with medical challenges that they absolutely do not deserve. And I've seen prayers that go unanswered, and I've seen prayers that are answered, but in ways that I don't understand. I, I know that I'm not alone in that. I don't know everybody here really well, but I know enough that I'm not alone in that. It's been a really hard time for us all. And I think that's why community is so important, maybe now more than ever. Jesus is the bread of life, and Jesus is enough. I'm not enough, you're not enough. We can't possibly be enough, because we are humans living in a beautiful but broken world. Living in community together means that we don't have to try to be enough for each other. 
we can cherish each other and support each other and encourage one another authentically and as we really are in spite of our differences as fellow children of God. And that frees us up to cover each other's weak spots with our own strengths. And it means that we can rest in knowing that Jesus has us all covered. Just like that group of thousands following Jesus, we can trust that there will be enough. No one is excluded. We all belong. And like a disciple ripping apart fish and loaves to serve by hand, it might get a little bit messy sometimes. But that is okay, because God doesn't mind our mess. Let's pray together. Father God, here we are gathered, two or more in your name. I thank you that your grace is unfailing and that your love is unending. Help us as we navigate living in community together. Help us as we try to cover the earth with the selfless love of your son, Jesus. Help us to support one another and to be kind to ourselves. Help us to keep our eyes on you in times of transition and times of change. In your holy name, amen. Thank you, everyone.